Gente Can Read Podcast And we Today we are having Author Author Alex Man uh, You know I'm not even going to attempt it Carnal Pero his name is Alex Author And he goes by At L Underscore Mar1994 I think it's Marroquin. Is that is that correct me if I'm wrong, Carnal, but I think it's my um, Alex Marroquin. So I am gonna have him come on the line right now and we're gonna chop it up and just talk about you know structure of writing and uh, how he does it, how he gets down. So I'm gonna bring you on Carnal. How's it going? How's it going, man? Nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you too. And uh, you were actually right about like saying uh, Marroquin, cause like uh, cause my cause like my family's from Peru, so like you know it's all in Spanish. But yeah, like hella people always get it wrong or they just like skip over it. So like don't. That's worry about I was it. like, I don't even want to attempt it. But you know what? Let me let me put in my my Spanish vibe into it. Versi la agarro, you know. And then so it is Marroquin. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. No doubt, no doubt. All right, brother. It's uh, a pleasure to uh, meet you, you know, face-to-face, uh, you know, virtually. Este, now, why don't you break it down for the people that may not know of your, you know, background as an author. Uh, let's just uh, break it down to where, you know, you were born, born, born and raised uh, and just your, uh, you know, becoming a writer. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Well, I was born here in the Bay Area in uh, Redwood City, but mm-hmm. my parents were from Peru, and I kind of take the like where my parents come from, South America, as like my biggest influence of like of all my creative writing, whether it's like for my books or for my or for the scripts that I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's like it's like uh, especially like the history because like uh, like I'm sure you know like that ever since of our indigenous ancestors have like faced horrible atrocities oh, yeah. by the Spaniards, by the Portuguese. And then I, so every time I read about that, like all our histories, like it's just horror, like nonstop. But along with uh, claiming our pride and our power, I think we also need to acknowledge is like all the struggles and all the horrible stuff that, that, that we've been through. And mm. so that's kind of like what my, where I kind of get most of my ideas right now is through mm-hmm. like say um I'm not sure if if you're aware about like uh like a lot of like, historical events kind of like Operation Condor where like the CIA mm-hmm. and Russia kind of like try to install their belief systems yeah. on people so all the way from Mexico all the way down to the all the way to uh, Argentina where the where they had the dirty war where they try to like kidnap all the protesters and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's like uh, mostly like my writing background it's like I want to try to like incorporate all of those historical moments like we as a people kind of face for hundreds of years 
and bring them to life so that all of us can learn about it while also like enjoying like a good horror story. So like that's like what I'm trying to do right now. So that's mainly your genre, horror. Yeah, thriller okay. and a horror right now. All right. So uh, you say right now. So you're. I mean, you don't have no problem in, uh, going into other you know to- topics within like genres. Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, like actually one of the first short stories that I published uh, was um. It was a magical realist story called the uh, Juanita. It's, it's actually based on a true experience from my grandma, where she actually stood up against like these two terrorists that was like uh, who were like terrorizing all of Peru at the time, okay. and um, and I kind of like uh, I, I kind of like dramatized it, but just how she stood up against them, um, and then like basically prevented them from like taking her husband's truck, and oh. and then just put the key in, in inside of her dress. And it's like, oh, mm. oh, you want his truck? You better come get me right now. And then uh, they just like, and then they just backed off like that. So huh. I thought that was like really cool to write about. And I thought like that, you know, I just want to write it just, just straight from my mom and my, and my grandma's mouth. Cause like, yeah. that was just one of the coolest stories that, that I've ever heard about my family. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, stories that have gone um, untold to the new generation uh, because of, you know, some people don't, you know, may not have the passion of, you know, dictating that and writing, putting in writing and uh, keeping that as kind of like a, you know, like a, like a safe keep for, for the next generation to remember the past and remember, you know, the good things and the bad things and to not repeat the bad things. That's mainly what history is supposed to teach you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, I noticed that the newer generation aren't really interested in all that. Do you notice the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's just, like, uh, I actually kind of, like, noticed that kind of, like, for, like, the past few years, it's, like, we're, like, I, like, totally understand we're, like, we're, like, reclaiming our pride, and, you know, like, we're saying, like, the oh, is like, uh, I'm not, I'm not even really sure how to explain it, but it's just kind of, like, all positive, which is not in itself a bad thing, yeah, yeah. but I think in, in order to, like, understand, like, where we come from, we need to understand all the bad stuff that we've done to other people and to each other too because yeah, i know for a fact uh, like, uh, like that for where i come from in 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 uh uh coming from peru the incas conquered other natives until they're like, making like a big empire and then the only reason why the spanish uh, took down the inca empire was because they have native allies who like they were sick of the inca rulers and then they just thought like them that these uh random white men who came over you know, they just believe like the oh, like they were blessings, like they were gods. But then, you know, unfortunately, after the Inca Empire fell, the uh, the Spanish just turned their backs on them and said, "Oh, okay, we're just gonna lump you in with all them. Then we're just just we're just gonna commit our genocide against you too." Yeah. So, so I think like that's like one of the biggest myths about about all the colonizing stories of South America and also Mexico too. Yeah, was was like it a wasn't just a lot of people Europeans. don't know it was about slavery. Oh yeah, for sure. It was. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so now, as a as a young one, um, what is your <laughs> memories of you know just the the art of writing? Were you interested in writing as a young one? I think like like ever since I was like a little kid, like uh, I like I just kept picking up books. You know, it's like okay. I, I learned to read before I could talk. As like my family would like put it like that. It's like, it's like, I would always want to read, especially if it's about, like, an animal or something like that, mm-hmm. or, like, or, like, a dinosaur. It's like, just, just something about, like, animals and nature always drew me when I was a kid. But especially seeing it in a book, like, 
I just got hooked into books ever since I was little. Um, but then I never really took part in writing books until I was like in college, you know, until because I was because uh, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know who I was back then. Mm-hmm. But then maybe around like my freshman year was like I just took some creative writing classes and say, oh, damn, like this is pretty fun. You know, like I liked, you know, writing characters based on like movies I saw or based on like stories of my family. Yeah. And I think that's when it kind of really like grew on me. It's like, oh, it's like, I want to create these characters based on, you know, um, to to create stories and characters that that have elements of where I come from and then where like we all come from too. Yeah. And since then, that's just been my passion. Yeah, that that's that's super cool how you, how you mentioned that uh, that you incorporate things that happen to you. I think that's really even for myself. I notice that I. I do that a lot as well. I think that's what the passion is. The passion is is trying to to um, uh, I guess extract yourself uh, a little piece of your own life, a little piece of your own self, and put it into a different world setting. That's I do that a lot. I notice that I try to make different worlds within the world that I already exist. You feel me? How how I'm kind of getting at it. Yeah, it's like uh, like even if you're writing like sci-fi, you know, where it have like aliens and like laser guns all the time, mm-hmm. like there's always gonna be a little piece of you that's like trying to get out, and that that's like yeah. in the words, in the in the whether it's like the plot or maybe it's the character that's like just like you, like no matter what fantasy crazy thing that you write about, there's always gonna be like a little piece of you, you know, and it's like a fingerprint, like how you write is only is is only by your voice and your words. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing else like it. So I think that's like kind of a really cool aspect of writing that, that I kind of carried on. Yeah. Now under that same umbrella of questioning, um, is that a bad thing for you in your creative process when you're writing? Does incorporating too much of yourself uh, kind of sometimes, you know, break, break from, you know, the story itself that you're writing at the time? Hmm. I think it depends on what you're writing is like, like, say, right now, um, I'm writing, like, a thriller novel about this Cuban guy in East Germany. And, like, you know, like, I'm not Cuban, but maybe there's, like, some little character aspects that, like, I can take from myself and kind of help develop the character that I'm working on. Okay. You know, oh, oh, oh like, uh, maybe I can make him a little awkward. I can make him, like, give him a stutter. But, um, but yes, yeah, so like it, it really depends on, on what you want to write and and how you want to write it. Is like uh, like if you're if, if you're trying to write a more relatable or maybe even like an autobiography, uh-huh. you, you're going to put more of yourself in that character. And how comfortable with like putting you with putting yourself into that story? I think that's just like something like that you have to think about for yourself. Um, because like I remember when I was first writing, like. I was kind of unsure about like, oh, like putting like this aspect of myself because I felt like this character was me in a way. And especially, you know, like for like a horror story, he like the main character is like doing a bunch of crazy stuff out there. And I was like, oh man, I'm not really like that. But, you know, even if you write something crazy, you know, it's actually good that you put a little bit of yourself in them, you know, like, um, you know, it's just up to you on how much you want to put yourself in there, even if it's just like a little bit. But no matter what you're right, there's always going to be a little piece of yourself in there. Yeah. Do you ever drop uh, like clues 
in your books uh, in terms of that only your close relatives will know what you're talking about? They can figure out <laughs> by certain things that you write in there like, oh, that's, that's, that's Alex when he was younger. He's, he's mentioning something about – you ever drop something like that in your, in your stories? Uh, I only got published like a couple of times, but, but, but actually I think the more things I create, like I said, it's just like, uh, it's like, I'll just end up putting like little things like that. And then like, uh, uh, maybe like my close friends, my family is like, maybe when they pick up those books, they'll say, Oh yeah, that's such an Alex thing to do. Okay. <laughs> and like, and like, uh, that's actually something I think that'll be pretty funny, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, but because like so far I haven't really done done much things like that. Like I put like maybe some behavior, some actions that I've done uh, into my characters, but not really like something like deep from my childhood. Uh -huh. So like, but but maybe for like later for like other books, that can be like yeah, a great yeah. idea just to like show my family and all that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, so like when you started writing, when you actually like decided, like you know, I actually can make my own stories. And uh, I'm going to venture into this world of, you know, storytelling. Uh, yeah. How did you begin? Like, what was your, your initial go-to uh, uh, resource to start, you know, learning how to do this? Well, like, the very first thing I would do was is to, like, make an outline. And um, uh, I'm not sure if, like, you know about, about like, the process of an outline, but, like, about that time is, like, when I do, like, my research or, like, the subject that I'm going to be writing about. And then, like, I like to, like, map out what I'm writing. Like, uh, like for example, for the, for the book that I'm working on now, uh, I'll just, like, make, a, make, like, a list of notes on my phone mm. and then um, just, like, write a little paragraph for, like, each chapter. It's, like, oh, for chapter one. Uh, I just write like a like a little basic description of it. Yeah. Um, but then like in the end, it's like no matter. It's like it's like you can prepare and map things out all you want, but even as you're writing itself with all the notes in your hand, sometimes your mind will just like just pick up an idea, and then oh. you and then you'll just want to like write it down, and mm -hmm. that's just all part of the process because uh, like, um. Like you still want to have that map and and that guide that you created with your outline, but don't be afraid if like something else comes up like as you're writing like your first draft. Yeah. And then and then like oh oh you'll just want to write it down like just write it down, and then maybe if it doesn't work with your original plan, then you can just take it out. Like like you can always rewrite, re-edit a bunch of times until it's like good for you. So mm -hmm. I would say like as you're writing those drafts, just like don't be afraid to like. To like kind of break away from your, uh, from that outline, from that guide, um, mm -hmm. because you'll always have that outline that you wrote in the yeah. end to kind of like help you bring you back to like what you want to write in the first place. Mm. All right. Uh, so now, these techniques, uh, would you say you got them from from school, or is that something you you found out on your own? Um, I did go to. Uh, I did uh, like a major in creative writing and like uh it, well it's it's like an emphasis on creative writing and I did get a lot of techniques from that and I really I am really grateful and appreciative of, like everything that I learned from 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 like a university but honestly now with like YouTube and then all these um mm. there's like hella you don't know, like those uh master classes yeah. that uh, you can you can in you can even just like just like uh, check out a book about creative writing then mm. how and then it'll have everything on there. I guess the short answer of that is 
it is good to like go to a school for it, but you don't absolutely need to. Like really, all you like like at the bare minimum is just read read the kinds of books that you want to write. Like if you want to write thriller or romance, then read real thriller and romance books, and then you'll then you'll learn everything on your own. And then if you want to learn how to outline, take notes, then you can just you know just go to the internet or just read a creative writing book, but like mm. a Stephen King or like or like another master at it. Yeah, I'm surprised Stephen King doesn't have his own master class. I've uh, checked out uh, R.L. Stein's master class, but Stephen um, King's not on there. I'm like, what? He should be. <laughs> I know, right? But like, uh, there's like quite a few authors not on there. Like uh, yeah, James yeah. Patterson was like uh, uh-huh. one really famous one that that I saw. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought about, it, but then in the end, it's like, oh, it's like, I like, um, like if I really wanted to like learn a technique or anything like that, you know, there there are other means than like spending hella money too. But yeah. if it's really worth it for you, then go for it. But I'm just saying like that you don't absolutely need it, like to like go to a four year university just for creative writing. Yeah. Um. Did you ever attend any workshops? Oh yeah, I did. Um. <laughs> Um, what was the workshop, the last one? Oh, actually, um, like, uh, I met, like, some people through, uh, through this app called Meetup, and then they actually have, like, a lot of, like, writers groups of, like, a, um, like, people from your local area and people from, like, kind of farther away. Like, you can find, like, writers groups, um, who, like, who maybe write in the same genre or maybe just other people who like to write in general, and, and they will set up workshops like maybe every week so i think i'm gonna have one maybe around like next week and then and then that's a good opportunity for me to like you know just write or to show what i'm working on so there's always groups out there you know that are like hosting workshops like a lot of like uh universities too like to host workshops uh some of them you do have to pay um but if you just did uh, if you just dig deep, em- uh, deep enough, then uh, you can find like workshops that are more available, more local, and that don't cost a lot to attend. So mm-hmm. there is always something out there if, if like if you really want you know to have that workshop experience. No doubt, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. You got you got to just look into it. Um, yeah. Now, as for having your own voice, bro, like having your own voice in the story. Like, cause like you mentioned, like you, you, you read a lot of uh, books, same type of genre, like the one that you're interested in, but mm-hmm. how do you do it to extract only what you like to incorporate in your own story, your own way, your own style without having to sound like the ones that you were reading? How do you do that? Well, for me, it just takes practice, you know? So just like write some random short story, like just for you, or just like write an excerpt of, of a book like that you're working on. Um, and then like, as you read and, and as, as you read more books and then as you keep writing, you'll just find your own voice. It's like riding a bicycle. Like wow. sometimes you fall off. Sometimes you like write something that's like cliche or it's like, just like something else. But as you keep practicing, like you will find your own voice. Like, it's just part of, like, being a writer. Okay. Like, at, at some point, you know, you will just see what you write or you'll just read it out loud. You'll be like, you know, this sounds pretty good. Like, this sounds something like that I will, you know, like that I will read or that others will read, but, but like, I know that it's in my own style. So it just takes a lot of practice and a lot of reading 
um, you know, just like reading authors that you like, and then just like, um, just like taking a little el- just like taking like little elements from them, yeah. and then just putting it into your own work. Hmm. Now we mentioned before that we incorporate things that we've seen already, like you know, in our experience, our lives. We incorporate yeah. things that, of people that we know. Now, in mm-hmm. your eyes, how much do we? Uh, what do we owe? as writers incorporating other people that we know and little little uh, things about them into our stories, what do we owe them as for that, to do that? Like, do you ever feel like, like I think I owe this person something because I, I put part of his life in here, you know? He might not know it, but you know. <laughs> um, I guess I never really had that feeling, but oh, okay. I think sometimes um, like, like if I really admire a writer or maybe like a character that he created, then uh, a lot of also, what what like a lot of authors like to do is like they would like, like to live um, uh, they would like to leave like like maybe little homages, make like maybe mm-hmm. they'll like say like a piece of dialogue that that the uh, that the other author or or a character that they wrote uh, would say or do. It's like maybe they will like make a character based off the image of the author or another character that they work on. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think they call like little tributes to like other writers that, that they admire. Yeah. And, and I think like, as, as I write more books, like, uh, like I know like there's, there's a lot of writers that like, I really admire, especially um, Mario Vargas Llosa. He's like, he's a Peruvian writer. And then he wrote a lot about like, um, like fictionalized events of Peruvian history and when I perfect my craft is like, you know, like when I really know that, that I'm good at it, that I'm making successful books, like I definitely want to honor him because like he has been one of the biggest uh, inspirations as an author, you know, especially since I'm Peruvian myself, you know, and then like seeing like another Peruvian's work, you know, like being done so well, like I, like, I know for sure like that in the future, I will want to like, like, like honor him as you said. Like maybe through like a character or a piece of dialogue, like um, uh, like that he created like a long time ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like um, definitely through tributes, I would say. Okay. Now, um, I'm assuming that a lot of the vocabulary that you incorporated into your stories, uh, you got them from reading and you know from learning, just in general, just uh, vocab from uh, from school, right? What yeah. would you? What would you tell like uh, someone starting up uh, how they can uh, or the the importance of using um, like you know uh, I I guess you could say longer harder words. Mm. Um, what is the importance of that, and is it necessary to use words that you may not use on the daily? Honestly, like especially when I first started writing, that's like one of the biggest uh, like that's like one of the biggest challenges I face. Cause like, uh, cause even after going to like like a four year university, you know, and like like reading hella books and like watching like a lot of movies, you know, like uh, like like just in my writing, I just didn't find myself using like those big extravagant yeah. words. Um, like maybe uh, uh maybe it's just just like uh like a few and far in between, but I'm not like you know like Edgar Allan Poe who writes you know. Like super eloquently, yeah. have like big descriptions, and and I say to all those authors or to all those writers who are who are afraid of like sounding dumb, you know, you don't have to use big words to tell a good story. 
Mm. Like you can just use your everyday language, you know, and then just like be your true self. And then, um, and then like, just like, just like use story and plot techniques from like the writers that you admire from like the books that you read. And then just like with, with your language, you know, it'll be great on its own. It's like, you don't have to be a walking dictionary to be a good writer. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's, that's kind of like some BS because, because I know, um, I've, I've gotten kind of like some smack, like when I was in college and I was writing some short stories and they're like, Oh, just like use this big word to like describe this one thing. But honestly, you, you kind of don't have to is like the whole point of you writing a, a novel or a film or, you know, or, or anything like that. The whole point of it is just to tell a story. Like, you're not trying to teach your audience new words, but I guess um, if if you do really want to use a specific word, then I would just like uh, just like look up in Google, just like type in like oh like like what's a good synonym or an antonym mm-hmm. for like big or tall? Then it'll just give you like a big list of like other words to use, you know. So like mm-hmm. so there's always Google too to like kind of help you out, and there's like a lot of like writers resources out there. That will give you like a whole list of like of like different words like that you can use because that's something like a lot of writers like even you know beginners and more advanced writers kind of have trouble with sometimes. It's like we're not walking dictionaries. It's like sometimes we have trouble coming up with like certain words too. And there's always <laughs> resources out there. There, yeah, there sure is. There sure is. You just gotta dig dig deep in there and and uh, look. You know, Google the internet. You know, what I mean, besides social yeah, media, you know, there's great things. You know? There's great things out there to learn online, you know, <laughs> not just social media. Um, so now in the beginning, what was the hardest part? Like, what would you get stuck a lot when you started writing or even now, even nowadays, what do you get stuck a lot? Like right now, like, uh, honestly for, for me, like right now is, is it, it's just like sticking with, with an idea that like, I like for a story. Cause like right now, uh, I've, I've, uh, like I, I honestly just started writing this novel but it took me how long like weeks or or even like a month trying to come up with the idea of of the novel cuz like at first it was it was about like this um how was it before um it was about like a spy going to america but i'm like but then like as i outline and write it i just didn't like it you know i just oh like like it just doesn't sound like something i would write or it just doesn't sound you know it just it just wasn't something that i liked so i would just scrap it completely then I'll make like a new outline about this other topic, but then I didn't like that either, so I just scrapped that other. Oh. Um, and then it was about like maybe like the third or fourth attempt at an outline, or you know, like my third or fourth attempt, like making my set of characters. And then I finally found something that I like, you know, and I finally was able to write like the first chapter, you know, without being confused or without being like you know, always have this gnawing feeling in my head that like, oh, you know, this, this just isn't good enough. Mm. So it takes time sometimes to like really find the idea that you like. And, you know, sometimes you'll, you will have to rewrite, you know, even your outline. Sometimes you'll just have to scrap it, you know, just, just because you just don't like it. And that's mm-hmm. normal. So to any, to, so to any writers who are, who are, who are like in this writer's block, you know, just don't worry about it. Just, like, keep writing notes. You know, just, like, keep writing that story. And then if it really does sound that bad to you, 
you can either just leave it alone for like a few months or like a few weeks, or you can just delete it and just start start writing new. You know, mm. like there's no like there's no problem with starting over. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, what is your process in creating a character that really sticks, like a, char a character that can really have like stand on its own and not having to, uh, you know, accompanying a lot of uh, you know, different aspects to be able to have him like be remembered even after you're done reading the book. Yeah. Um. So what I like to do is like I like to write character bios, and I think that's like what what like a lot of writers would like to do. It's like um, you don't only just make up the name or the age. Like you try to create like a whole backstory that like you feel will kind of like capture capture people's interest. Mm -hmm. um, like, um, like in my second book, that's like kind of like um, that I'm like waiting. That I'm like giving time to uh, just to settle. Is a Cuban spy that like uh, he got brainwashed by. Uh, by the communist Cubans, and then like now he's like on a rampage because like he remembers that torture, mm. um, he, and then he like remembers like all the pain that he felt. But then later on, he like learns that like he did hella bad stuff, and then now he feels a like, new guilt, and then he's not sure whether to like keep going in this crusade against you know Castro's regime or if he if he or if he should just move on and just like just like find a good life. So. I think and and like that's my favorite thing about writing is like is creating like these characters with like backstories and interesting histories, and I think that's a process that like I like to do the most. Um, mm -hmm. But my biggest tips for that would be you know um, just like write down like like a whole page like telling the whole backstory, as much backstory as as you can for for the characters that you want the uh, your readers to remember the most. Mm -hmm. Now, as you outline and do all these, all this uh, backstory for characters, how do you know what to put or what not? Because you'll be probably writing a couple pages sometimes just for a character, right? How do you know how to like filter out? Because you can't put everything down. Like, yeah, how do you know sure. when to stop to talk about talking about his backstory? Hmm. Well, the best way to like give out like the backstory of a character, well. For me, anyways, is like through dialogue and the actions of that mm. that the character takes. Like, I try to make as much about the plot itself as I can. Um, like, say, um, like for this character that I just finished writing, um, like, say, I would take him through this business that like, he owned a long time ago before he got kidnapped, and he's just like remembering all this stuff about like what he used to do and like uh, how he lived with his family. But then I don't stick with it too long because, you know, just, just like I just said, like, he has to move on. He has to do other things. And I think as a writer, you know, like, uh, you just have to find ways to kind of, like, sprinkle it along along the main plot without, like, giving too much all at once. Mm. Because you want the reader to, like, really want to keep turning the page because he wants to learn more. So, yeah, so I think that's, like, what I like to do. It's just, it's just to, like, uh, to, like, reveal these these moments through like actions through dialogue and then occasionally through a flashback like like maybe like like a bad dream or something like that yeah so yeah. that's cool that's cool do you ever get uh ideas in your dreams or while you're out in stores or something like that and and if so uh do you how do you capture i mean how do you remember that do you like walk around with a notepad or i mean you put it in your phone yeah, like uh, I just uh, 
I have this note app on my phone, and then, like, I'm always, like, carrying it with me. So I'm like, oh, you know, like, all of a sudden, I think of an idea. You know, like, I just kind of pull myself to the side, and, oh, I'll just, like, type it down. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know that, like, I would, like, I'm, like, super forgetful all the time. So it's like I, so it's like I have to write it down, or mm-hmm. else I'm just going to lose it. Yeah. And, and then, like, when I come back to it later, I see all these notes. I say, oh, damn, like, this is really cool. Like, I didn't know I came up with this. Yeah. Man, I, I get the most craziest like ideas for stories in my in like in my dreams. That's why I keep a notepad next to me like on my yeah. nightstand. I'm like I, I sometimes I even get up at three, four in the morning with these ideas. I'm like, yo, I, I gotta write this down. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Now with all these ideas, um, I'm sure you're getting like sometimes even two, three different ideas for three different stories. Like how do you do it to to just just keep those notes for these other stories away and not not be tempted to write two or three stories at a time. How do yeah. you do that? Um, I just choose one, and then I kind of just like push myself just to like not move on to these other ideas until I finish at least like maybe like a few chapters of these uh, of the first idea that I chose. Okay, that's, that's dope. So, uh, your first book, can you talk about that one? Oh, yeah. It's called uh, Savages for Revenge, and it's a it's a very unique horror story. So, basically, it's it's about an artist, uh, Derek D'Souza, who's, um, he's, like, failing in art. He's, like, not making his rent, and mm. he's just so close to ending it all. But then Dang. he gets a call from this beautiful girl in Argentina saying, like, oh, like, I want a moment with you. I need to talk to you about something. And then he just takes that as an excuse just to, like, drop everything in America and then come all the way to Argentina just to, like, um, uh, just to be, like, re-inspired for his art. Mm-hmm. But then, really, he just wants to see her. He just wants an excuse, mm-hmm. like, just to drop everything and just to be with this girl. But then not even the first day when he lands, he uh, he gets taken into um, by this shadowy figure of a guy. He's, like, crazy. He's, like... He's he's like a cannibal, and he's been a cannibal since he was like a little kid, uh, because of the, be like just because of the other way that like that his parents raised him to be, but then he's like so hell bent on like killing all of humanity, even though he knows himself like that's just not gonna work out, mm-hmm. but then he teaches Derek like his belief system just by like randomly killing people. As he like, as they get closer to their target location, yeah. where where like ultimately, uh, like this, uh, like the antagonist or like the terrorist guy, um, he like has this big finale, and like along the journey, uh, like we see Derek kind of like uncovering his own hidden memories of like when he had like an equal murdering spree when like, he was a kid. But he had long suppressed because, like, uh, he got caught, and then like he, and then they had to go away. But then, like, the more he, the more he spends time with his character, the more like of his real self comes out, and then he has to decide like whether he wants to like remain like a normal human being, or if he wants to continue living free, as the terrorist guy calls it, and just continuing just killing. Um, just like killing people and like running around, mm-hmm. so that's like the big dilemma, like that he has to like find out for himself. Oh, so it's like a psychological type thing too, huh? 
Yeah. That's cool. Now, when you do something like that, like psychological thrillers or horror uh, stories, how much do you research uh, about the 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 um the symptoms and uh, you know these type of mental illnesses to be able to make it make it yeah. sound like you know, realistic? Oh yeah, it's like uh, uh, it's like a lot of research uh, because like I had to look up into like uh, like a lot of things about like serial killers and like why they did the things like that they did. Um, I had to look up about uh, cannibalism because like that's like a huge theme yeah. in the book, you know, and like like not and then like not only about like just like eating human meat, but also like how eating human flesh actually damages your brain because mm. uh, like, if you eat too much human flesh, it actually it like basically rots your brain, then it and it affects like your judgment and affects your motor skills. It actually makes you crazy the more you do it. Uh, but then so this that, terrorist that makes group, sense. With um, they say that the elite uh, do all that crap. <laughs> I'm more yeah. like, I'm more like that makes sense. <laughs> Kanye West probably does that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, but um, oh, no, man. but yeah, you know, like. That's that's uh something that a lot of people don't don't uh consider when you know I mean you enjoy it you enjoy the process yeah. you know but someone that's just starting up mm -hmm. is like you know doesn't understand that they they have to go into it with making it making it sound realistic mm -hmm. you know and and there's I mean easily a reader would would be able to tell like you know oh no this guy he didn't do his research like. You can tell when, when, you know, you're talking about something that has to do with, like, a psychological, you know, problem. Yeah. You can tell, like. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Have you ever caught that in uh, other books that you've read? Like, like oh, you know, I, I don't like it because it's not, you know, it doesn't do this or it, it's lacking this or whatnot. And then use it for your own what not to do in your own stories. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's this one book that I, that I actually recently read. It's called uh, Cannibal Jungle, and mm -hmm. um, it was pretty good. I like, um, you know, it's like uh, like had a, had a lot of uh, elements of those cannibal horror films from like, the '80s, like uh, Cannibal Holocaust and like from uh, Eli Roth's movies. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't really get into the you know um, a really sad fact. Like a uh, a really sad fact um, about most of these cannibal stories is like they don't go into the lives of the native people, who like you know who are portrayed being you know like crazy and evil. Is like most of the time they're just trying to defend themselves, um, you know, or they're like trying to maintain onto their traditions, uh, because like a lot of like uh, companies and governments are constantly trying to cut down the forest that they live in. Or they're doing their own massacres of the native people, and so of course, like when a non-Amazonian um, guy sees like this cannibal horror, you know, like they don't know what to think of it except like like that it's just really bad. And so hopefully, like I can write like maybe better stories that can go more into from the perspective of those native people. Yeah, Cause, like, you know, because like I want to honor them, you know, because like yeah. they've been through like a lot, especially like right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, now, when it came down to already you finishing the book, when is the right time? I mean, for you, when do you know a book is done? Oh man, uh, uh, for my first book, it was like a really long time. But honestly, when I was writing like my first book, 
I didn't really know what I was doing at first. Like, I wrote a whole novel, but even after writing it, like I, like, I printed it out, like, I just didn't like it. So I basically spent a whole year working on a book that I didn't like. So I scrapped that. It doesn't exist anymore. And so I started working uh, working on uh, Savages for Revenge. Like, I started reading about these different uh, nature extremist groups. I started reading about cannibalism. And then I got that passion again, which, like, and then that process, you know, with all the research, the outlining, that took months. Mm. And then, like, by the time that I finally got the draft down, like, another year had passed. Wow. So in creating, like, my first book, it's been, like, more than two years before it finally hit the shelves. Wow. Um, and then uh, it took more time for like me to like, uh, to like first find a good publisher that actually liked it. And then uh, finally, um, I just ended up self-publishing it too in, in order to like, just to get more readers just to look at it. So, um, so it just depends like how prepared you are and like how fast that you, that, that like, you do the research, how much you write every day. Because when you make a book, you have to make a schedule for yourself. Yeah. Uh, like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to write, like, once a week, but then <laughs> not even do it. You mm-hmm. have to dedicate yourself at least, like, 20 minutes, at least an hour, at least two hours every day so that, yeah. um, so that you make that deadline for yourself. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So when you say that you uh, pretty much, like, when, like, you know, chopped your, uh, your, your, your book, right, you pretty much – send it to all these publishers and they denied you or you just, they didn't, well, I mean, what was the response? Cause a lot of people like they, they get down because of, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they say no, that uh, we can't publish mm-hmm. a book or whatnot. Like what was the response? Yeah. Like I like sent my first book to like, uh, I think maybe three or four publishers. And then actually like all of them denied me. Um, it wasn't until I was uh, working as a freelance editor for this one uh, horror publishing company. Mm. And then um, I was just like, hey, you know, um, I like to write horror too. So uh, would you mind like reading like a book that I'm working on? And then they just liked it all of a sudden, you know, and then and I was like really surprised because like, of course, you know, after being rejected four times, you know, mm. like I was in that hopelessness state too. You know, like uh, I was kind of getting close to kind of like giving up on writing as a, as a whole. Um, but honestly, you can be denied like 10, 12 times because that's just the life of a writer. It's like the, like, um, like you'll just keep, uh, you'll just keep getting rejection letters. You'll be denied by publishers, but, but just because that happens to you doesn't mean that you have to stop writing. You know, your book is good. You know, it's just, sometimes it's just not the right publisher or it's just not the right time. But you have to keep pushing your work out there because there is someone that believes in, in your work and that will invest in you. So, mm-hmm. so just keeping, so just keep push yourself out, uh, out there, you know, you know, just, just like uh, talk to people, you know, just like, um, you know, like even just share it on social media if you have it, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you just have to keep pushing yourself out there because even people like Stephen King or, uh, or the author of Harry Potter, they got rejected a bunch of times too. Like a J.K. Rowling got rejected like 12 times before mm-hmm. finally someone got her first Harry Potter book. And then look where, where she is now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like one of the most famous authors out there. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so no yeah, doubt. just uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, now, as for as for your um, as for the letters, what did they did they say like why they they, they didn't want to publish a book, or just uh, they denied you? Oh no, just it's, it's it's actually very rare that they actually tell you the reason why. Oh, they don't tell um, you. Yeah, because honestly, it's like uh, like a lot of publishers are like usually swamped. Like they have so many books from like different yeah. uh, writers that and then they're just they're just getting piles and piles of like books and manuscripts. Yeah, but and then, like, right. And then, like, honestly, it's like sometimes they they just don't even have the time to like, write you like a detailed response. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes if you ask them nicely, they can, but mm -hmm. don't expect them to to like tell you why. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes it could be a perfect book, but they're just it's just not in the market. Or it's just not what they're looking for, um, but that's just another another reason why you just have to keep pushing your book to different publishers, because yeah. it is the right time somewhere. You know, it just might might not be the right time at that moment. Mm, okay. So uh, when you went the self publishing route, um, mm -hmm. who uh, who edits for your for your stories mostly? Oh, um, even though I'm an editor. Um, and oh, and 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 to anyone who wants to self-publish, it is very important for you to like hire an editor, you mm -hmm. know. And then sometimes it is gonna cost you some some money. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it might be very expensive too. But honestly, it's like worth it because if you invest in your book, then it'll return to you like mm -hmm. uh, you know, like all the money that you spent on. Um, mm -hmm. Because like a lot of people, what they do is like they'll just write a book, maybe one two drafts. And then they just put it on the shelves, you know, like an Amazon or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is like they're not making any sales and then they're just getting bad reviews. Just like, oh, this guy can't spell dog, you know, <laughs> or oh, like, oh, so many common errors that they get distracted by it. Mm -hmm. It's like you need a professional set of eyes to like, um, to like polish your book for the publishing world because it can get really, really hard out there, you know, and then especially if your book isn't as good as um, as polished and clean of errors as uh, as possible, then people will notice, you know, and then they will tear it apart. And mm. then and then it'll just become a failure at launch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as you released your book as a self-publisher, as a mm -hmm. self-published author, uh, now what was the next step for you? What did you uh, – did you already have in mind how you were going to distribute these uh, copies or? Uh... Mm. <clears throat> yeah. um, so what I did was uh, like, uh, I just published through Amazon because like uh, they, they have a pretty good service. Um, like uh, they, they even do like a cover layout. But yeah, it's like, um, I, like I always knew like that, uh, like if I wanted to go through self-publishing, I'll just go through Amazon, um, especially since especially since like that I'm new like that I don't have a lot of my like, resources on me right now so that was just like the best option but but for what it is is actually pretty good um like they'll give you you know like uh like a decent percentage of like whatever sells and then but but that's all Amazon really does unless you like you know pay the extra money to market mm -hmm. but I but I had to do the marketing all by myself and I knew that since the very beginning, like, oh, if I wanted to self-publish, I'm going to have to do all the marketing. Uh, because, like, no matter how, how good, no matter how good your book is, no one's going to read it if no one knows about it. 
So that's why I just uh, I just worked my butt off on like growing my Instagram followers by making a website, by making a blog, and just trying to upload content. You know, just trying to make readers aware about what I'm writing on or what I'm working on, like as often as I can. Because yeah, um, yeah because like you need a growing audience. You know, if you want success for your books. Yeah. And most of the time, like after you or before you publish, even. You know, you'll want to, you know, you'll want a strong support base for your work. No doubt, no doubt. Um, tell us the importance of networking um, um, yeah. within, within like, you know, fellow authors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like networking is honestly one of the biggest, you know, things like that you need as an author. And I know it's, it is hard for me because I'm like really shy. Like I don't like to talk to or like go out, go on big outings a lot. But mm. especially right now during COVID, you know, like um, like a lot of networking events are virtual. Yeah. And um, and like, uh, and I think I said before, like uh, there's like a lot of groups on Meetup where you just like, where you just meet like like-minded people and you can tell them about your work. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really important. But um, you know, go on social media, go on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Twitter and you know, like find groups, uh, find workshops that work with authors and writers like you, and then just connect with people. You know, like uh, ask for their emails. I mean, ask nicely. You know, like I mean, like actually, actually try to be their friend, uh, because at any end, like the more friends you make, the more chances like that one of them will actually help you out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and like that, and then like that's what I did for my. Um, like when I was working as an editor for this for the horror uh, publishing company, uh, Hellbound Books, is like me and the lead editor were actually really close, and then like he actually took the time to like read my book on top of everything else, and like give me really good feedback, you know, and um, before accepting it as a book to be published. Yeah. So, so, uh, so like even though it, like it might be hard to like get out there and like try to talk to a lot of people. It is really important that you do, you know, just like go on groups, um, go online, um, meet people, just tell them about what you're working on with pride. You know, yeah. it's like no one's going to look at your work if you're like all scared and like, you know, all oh, you're nervous to talk about it. No. And then like, uh, oh, they're going to think, oh, if you're, oh, it looks like that you don't like what you're talking about. So why should mm -hmm. I read it? You yeah. know, you're writing it. Be proud of it. You know, no matter how messed up how much sex and violence has on it, be proud of it, you know, and say it to those publishers with pride and with power. Cause if they see that you enjoy it, that you believe in it, then they will too. Mm. That, that's great. Um, you know, input into that. Um, now as for the, the, your books, like just in general, uh, do you ever mm -hmm. see them or do you ever consider uh, one day maybe working on, you know, putting together a, maybe even a short film for one of them, like actually making it as a film. Oh yeah, definitely. Like actually, um, the second book that I did actually started out as a screenplay for a film that I thought of. Um, but then, like um, the more that I wrote it down, I just started putting details, and you know, I added more backstory for for the characters. And I was like, you know what, this might just start off as a book. You know, why don't I just write it as a book? And then it turned into a, a novel, a novella. Um, oh. But I do really want to write for movies, you know. And then right now, I'm actually working on a script. Like I finally 
got down the outline process pretty good, and then I finally have a good idea I want to write about. Um, but let me tell you, like, writing for movies is a whole different animal oh, than yeah. writing for a book. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Because for novels, like, you can put as much uh, backstory, you can put a monologue. Mm. Like, uh, it, it's more internal, and then it's more descriptive. But with the script, it's more visual. It's like when you watch a movie and you're looking at the character, you're not hearing what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Or you're not, um, you don't know what he's feeling unless he talks to another character. Mm-hmm. So when you're running a script, you have to write on a visual level. Like you have to, like along with your outline of a script, which is also different from a book outline. Like you have to think of it all. Oh, oh, like how's it going to be on a movie? How's it going to be on a screen in front of me? And then you have to use like a different set of descriptions, a different set of words, just to describe the same scene that you would write in a book. But honestly, it's, it's, it is really fun for me. It's just like I like uh, writing movies. And, you know, and then just like with writing books, it's actually even more true for writing film, like that you have to network. You have to know people, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, initially, were you seeing your stories as a film in your mind already? Because a lot of my writing comes in that way to me. Like, I see, I see the scene. Like, I see, you know, what's going on around the scene, around the characters, like a movie. You know, you're able to see it. Do you ever yeah. see it that way? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, actually, for uh, actually for my book writing, that's, like, how – that's how I write my scenes. It's, like, I kind of just play it out in my head. But then, of course, like, I also write, in, you know, like, uh, what they're feeling, like, mm-hmm. how they're talking to each other. Oh, excuse me. It's, like um, – yeah, like, no matter what I'm writing, like, it's always playing out in my head, like, just like a movie. It's only how I put it down on paper or on a computer. That's, like, the difference. Mm. Mm, okay. So how long did it take you to start, or were you already working on the second book while you were working on the first one? Or how, how long did it take you to start the, the, the second one? Um, right after I published my first book, I just I just jumped to my second book. And I think that's really important for like writers to to like consider is like is like don't stop like for a long time after you wrote your first book or your first short story like keep writing like keep thinking of new ideas because like you you have to keep your creative mind going or else it's just gonna die down and then it's gonna take you forever to get it started again. Now, did it ever confuse you like going into the second book? Did like did you ever go like Oh my wait, I'm writing certain things that I was writing on the first book. You ever go, you know, kind of get confused and stuff? Um, not if like I know exactly what I'm writing about and of course like having the outline helps. Mm-hmm. Um so I like so like that I um uh, that I know all the characters and I know what they want, I know what they're going for. And and yeah, so like um just like knowing what what I want my book, my second book to be about, you know, it really helps like avoiding writing the exact same thing as my first book, even though that the topics might be similar, you know, or might be in a similar setting. Um, Like as long as you know what's going on, as long as you write down, Oh, what you want from each chapter, you won't have any trouble, you know, running into the same things that you did for your first book. I guess what I'm kind of like picturing as an issue would be because like some people remember certain, you know, like 
they remember faces and stuff like that. Do you ever like imagine the faces of these characters? Do you ever go into it already thinking like, okay, they look like this and they, that image of that face, even though you're creating it, so it's not like you're actually seeing it before, but you're creating it. How do you make it so that it sticks in your mind and like you don't get it confused, like, you know, from the yeah. second book? Um, like writing down a character bio and like, um, like writing down, like actually writing down what they look like really helps. Like, um, like let uh, let the um, like for example, like the character from my second book is this big gordito guy, like a huge Cuban guy with like long hair, hella oh. oily, hella sweaty. But then, but then the guy from my first book, uh, Derek D'Souza, he's like a skinny white guy. So, mm. so like what I like to do is um. Uh, is like write down what they look like and like write down their descriptions so that you know, like you said, it's like a like I don't get them confused or I don't write down like these or I I don't end up writing these same character twice. Mm-hmm. So and then of course if they sound similar, I'm like, oh okay, maybe I can give them, uh, maybe I can make them a, a different color or I can make him uh, speak a different language or give him like different features. Um, yeah, just like little tricks like that where, you know, um, just like writing them down helps a lot. <laughs> it's like basically what I'm saying. Now, um, I see that, that you're married, uh, you know, you know, you're of a family and all that. And how do you, I mean, to someone that has, I mean, you know, a, a job and is just constantly mm. doing things. It's not just that you just write and that's all you do. Like, it's not, people have a life, you know what I mean? Like, how do you set time aside? to you know and and build up that habit how do you how did you build up that habit to have set time aside to write and just and just nothing else can can distract you, you probably turn your phone off like you you're, you're set on writing on a certain time every day how did you build that up um man what i say um you just have to make a habit of it um like you have to set a schedule for yourself, like every day for one hour, you know, write from four to five or every day I write from three thirty to four thirty. You you just have to find the time and you have to like, you know, write down like a little schedule for yourself so that you make sure that you do have the right time. Cause yeah, like uh, you know, I am married and then um, you know, I have a job and I have to do like things after work too. Like I'm not just like working and then I'm just writing all day. I wish sometimes though, but um but yeah, it's just like, you know, life life doesn't stop when you're writing. Mm. So you just have to make the time for it. And you mm. have to give yourself some discipline too, because some because there are days when you're just hella tired from work, especially, you know, if you're like labor intensive or like uh or you know, if you work at a restaurant, I, I know that's a like hella exhausting, that's hella tiring. But you know, if you really want to be successful as a writer, like you just have to make that time, and you really have to get something down, especially if it's a first draft. You know, just like, you know, like don't worry about it being perfect or exactly the way you want it. Like, just get something down, like a paragraph, a page, five pages. Um, you know, and then. Just get something down, man. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's my issue sometimes. It's like, how are you gonna call yourself a writer when you're not writing? <laughs> and I, yeah, I feel so like like man, I need to sit down and do some stuff. But uh, yo, um, so I got like twenty seconds on the 
on the, you know, because it only lets you record one hour on Instagram. So uh, let me log out and I log back in. And I want you. Uh, I yes, part two in um, the interview with Alex Marroquin. Este, this is going pretty good. Um, my little kitty here. Back in the So I'm loving it. I'm loving the conversation. Uh, you know, we, uh, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's saying I'm, I'm loving the conversation. You know, it's just some of these things may be uh, for for already you know seasoned authors. These questions may be something you know as as basic, you know, but uh. You know, for the for the up and coming writers and uh, people that just are beginning to get inspired to uh, maybe venture into the writing world, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of um, it, it, this podcast is more geared for 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 them, you know, and uh, trying to get some input from the people that have been doing it for some years, and you know, try to get them going. Oh, yeah, but uh, sure. yeah, so um, on your third book, so you said that your second book was more of a novella, right? Yeah, um, oh, actually, yeah, that's my first novella, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, uh, that's a novella. Um, funny enough, I was actually started like actually planning out to be like a full book, but then mm -hmm. you know, just like sometimes you know, like things just don't go at work or things go exactly as you plan, and then it just turns to a mm -hmm. novella. But then now for my second book, um, I might try to plan like even more ahead. I'm trying to like add more things into the to the story to make sure like that it is like a full book because like uh, what ends up happening is like um actually like not many publishers take novellas unless you're like a seasoned author but of course you can try to submit it you know, like it doesn't hurt um but yeah. i would say like just like try to make like a full-on book first and so that's mm -hmm. like what i'm trying to do now with my second book all right no doubt so now when we talk about novellas and um short stories so it's short story Novella, novel, correct? Yeah. Uh, short so, stories generally have, uh, hmm, I guess they're like maybe at the most 20 pages, I believe. And the novellas, um, uh, how much are novellas? I think they're like maybe, I think where if it's like past 50 pages or 60 pages, um, it, it's a novella. Then anything after that is a novel. I think it just depends on the word count uh, to see if it's like a short story. Like I think I, I wrote a micro story before, but I don't think it got published. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there's like all sorts of kinds of like ways to tell a story. Um, but yeah, like uh, running a novella, I would say it's just, it's just the same thing as like writing a novel. It's just like uh, maybe about like uh, like a few thousand words less, like maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I think it's um, 60,000 words, the novella that I have out right now. And then um, and then originally I planned it to be like 100,000, but, you know, mm -hmm. it just happens. Yeah. So how do you how do you get to that point? Like, like, do you just feel like this is just the end? Like, you can't add anymore? It's just like everything that needs, needed to be said has been said. Is that how, kind of how you feel? 
Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, at a certain point, no matter how much you plan or outline, you know, it's like, um, um, like you, like you plan your end, and then like once you type down the last word, you know, you just get a feeling like that. Oh, like, like, um, like that you're satisfied with how the story ended, like you're mm-hmm. satisfied with like how the characters resolved all their problems, or maybe, or maybe you left a cliffhanger, or like, or you're teasing for a sequel. Um, it's just up to your own judgment, and then sometimes you just have to trust your gut. Um. Because of course it might not make everyone happy, but as long as you're satisfied as a writer mm-hmm. on that ending, then just go for it. You know, if you want to leave a cliffhanger, or if you want to resolve all, all, every little bit, then just do it, man. Do your twists, the plot and twists, do they come easily, or do you have to like wait on it to come, or do do you force it out, or does it come like you know just by itself? I don't know, like. Um, um, like from uh, I'll just say like that in my first book, there's a twist at the end, but I didn't really plan for a twist. Um, huh. it's like um, like like as uh, like I was fi- as I was finishing up like that first draft, um, it just kind of started. Like I just kind of like had this random idea that oh, what if it happened? Uh, what if this was a truth instead? Or what if she? Well, what if his daughter did did this instead? And then I kind of like reworked the outline, and it turns out like that. Oh, like it works just fine. Like I liked it, and then that's just when I incorporated it in, into the story. Um, but like, of course, if you really want a twist in your book, um, you know, like, uh, like if you know that you want a twist, like plan it out ahead of time, uh, mm-hmm. put it in your outline in your notes. But then sometimes, uh, like I said before, it's like uh, things just come into your mind, and then if you if you like that better, if that sounds better. Then just make sure it works with the plot. It works with the characters, because like sometimes you know, like from TV shows and you know, in other books, like you have a twist, but it doesn't make sense, or people just don't like it. So um, plan ahead, but you don't need, you know, it's like um, don't worry about if you don't have a twist at the end. Uh, sometimes it'll just come to you, and sometimes uh, uh, it's your story might not need a twist at the end. Um, it just depends how you write it or, or like, uh, if you have that gut feeling like the aid needs a twist or something. Okay. All right. No, no, no. Um, your, your third book, um, that's the latest one. What is that called? Oh, uh, the, the one that I'm working on right now. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's your third one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, I haven't thought, of, uh, I actually haven't thought of a title yet, but, um, I want to say it's uh, like just for now, at least I want to call it a uh, Cubano Gladio because um, it's it's going to take place in Italy during a time when uh, there's uh, there's like all this chaos, all this uh, random violence that was going on between the uh, between these uh, uh, like uh, like these fascist uh, Illuminati kind of guys, and then uh, between these mm. communist Italians, and then like and then like our protagonist that i wrote he's just gonna be lumped up in there and then he's just done with it he's like done with all the cold war bullshit after the cuban missile crisis he's like you know what i'm like tired of all this you know all this all this fighting that has nothing to do with me that's like putting my life at risk and then um but then of course he meets this beautiful woman he's like you know what i'm just gonna you know i want to be with her i don't care what we do and then they just go through this journey 
from East Germany all the way down to Switzerland and then to Italy where they face new challenges and then like all this new horror. And then he's going to have to decide on like what kind of actions he wants to take to better his own life and uh-huh. to help those that he actually cares about now. No doubt, man. That's uh you know, it's 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 a it's a gift that one has to uh, as a storyteller. And um, how do you? I mean, how do you feel about that? Just just knowing that you're able to like tell stories, like just make up these worlds, you know, like. <laughs> um, you know, it actually feels pretty good. You know, it's like you know, I feel like that's like a superpower I have, and. <laughs> You know, because I um, like actually learned uh, like not too long ago that like how hard it is for a lot of people to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even for some people, it's just hard to relate to others. But I think for me, is like, you know, like sometimes I just imagine a whole person, his life, where he came from while I'm like driving to work or mm-hmm. when I'm like going to get grocery stores. Like, I don't know why, like some like sometimes it just comes easily. You know, but, like, I know for even a lot of people who, who want to be writers that it just doesn't. But then that's why there's outlines. That's why there's, you know, uh, character bios. Um, you know, so, like, if you don't have that ability or superpower, you know, just don't worry about it. You know, like, uh, you can always write down and plan, you know, plan your characters, plan everything else. And then, you know, I think with time, with practice, you know, it it'll just come naturally to you, too. So I want to say, like, not to really worry about it if you don't have that ability, you know, but if you do, you know, you're blessed mm-hmm. if you have it, you know. It's, it, it's a really cool, it's a really fun thing to have just to create, you know, imaginary scenarios in your mind, you know. It's kind of like daydreaming. I think, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it is. Um, Marco, on the uh, comments uh, from Cardanismo Clothing, he's asking, um, do you read comics? Um, huh, okay. um, yeah, I do actually. It's like, um, actually one of my favorite comic books is called The Darkness. Um, mm-hmm. it was by Dark Horse Comics. Um, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know if, if you heard of it or not, but like, um, I actually played the video game based on it first, but then I got really into it. Um, mm-hmm. it was about, um, this one mafioso guy. Uh, at his 21st birthday, he got possessed by this supernatural uh, demon entity, and then of course it like grants you know it grants him like you know super strength. It grants him all these crazy powers. Um, but then when his girlfriend died, you know, for him it's just like oh, is it really worth it? You know, being you know part of this corrupt organization like the mafia, and then mm-hmm. on top of that, he has all this demon stuff that's like going on uh, okay. because of his abilities. So you know, if if you're look, if you're looking for something cool to read, uh, check out the Darkness by Dark Horse, or oh, what's the Dark Horse? Oh no, uh, not Dark Horse. Uh, Top Cow. There you go. <laughs> oh, I see that pillow. Uh, oh, that's actually pillow. not mine. Because <laughs> like, uh, I'm actually in my in-laws' place, so like, that's her pillow. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're really into Marvel. That's why. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so now this this new uh. This new book, this new story that you're making, um, uh, so you're just starting it? Yeah. I mean, like maybe I got like the first chapter down. It'll be like mm-hmm. a while, maybe in a year, but, um, you know, go to my website, and then, um, you know, every couple of weeks, uh, I like to put in little teasers in there about like these subjects that, that like, I'm writing about, 
actually, if you go there right now, you know, you'll you'll find like a blog full of like uh, of like little videos and content about the book that I finished writing. You know, you'll see a lot of stuff about like uh, Alpha sixty uh, Alpha sixty six. You know, it's it was it's, uh, it was like a real uh, anti Castro Cuban uh, terrorist group that was working in Miami and Florida and all the stuff that like, they did. So um, I think after a little while, like after I I work on the final drafts of, of that book, I'll, so I will start putting out stuff about Operation Gladio in Italy. And then I'll start putting out stuff about this new book that like, I'm working on. So, so yeah, as you know, it's like, um, um, oh man, I lost my chain of thought. <laughs> my bad. But yes, it's That's like, um, uh, you know, just on my website, there's like a lot of content, you know, about like the books that I'm working on. And every couple of weeks, uh, I like to put something, whether it's a video, an image, or maybe mm-hmm. a piece of document that's been, you know, out by the CIA or something, you know, yeah, that's cool. just, yeah, you know, just go check it out when you can. Now, um, before we wrap up, um, what would you say to your younger self, to your younger writer self? Oh, man. I guess one of the bigger things I would say is just like, just, you know, just don't be afraid, man. You know, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And I'm not even just talking about like writing, you know, and like putting your book in publishing in the industry, but don't be afraid to make friends with people. Don't be afraid to talk with people, to make connections. Cause like, no matter how awkward of a conversation that you'll make, you know, like in the end, it's such a good experience to like to help someone and to have that help given to you. Mm. And, you know, it's all just worth it, especially, you know, being a writer, you need contacts, you need friends, you need, you know, you need those connections into publishing and editing. So I would say just, just keep talking to people, you know, just don't be afraid. Just, you know, just speak out what you want, you know, just, you know, see what other people have to say, you know, about your work, about their work. And also don't be afraid to help, to help them out. Like, you know, you know, maybe edit their books for them, you know, if they, if, if they need that extra help, you know, especially if they're new, just, just like you. Cause I remember like I was um, like, like uh, when I needed editing, you know, there's a lot of people that like I knew and that was because I like met, uh, I talked to a lot of people um, in the horror um, genre section of of, of authors, mm. and they they were ready to give me advice, and they were ready to point me out to different editors who helped them out. So yeah, just um, just keep talking to people, just meet new people every day if you can. You know, the, I think that'll be the biggest the biggest thing I would want to say to my to my younger self back then. Mm. Well, Alex, that's a really, really dope uh, advice. And, you know, I hope, you know, people listen and really um, they're able to take that and, and use it for for themselves because um, there's a million other stories out there that's ready to be told. And, you know, just because of a little fear shouldn't be the, the reason why someone doesn't venture into that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and start writing from, you know, from their passion. But um, I want to thank you for giving me this time and, uh, you know, get into your mind and, and, and try to, you know, extract some of your, you know, skills and stuff like that. And um, sharing some of your, um, some of your stories and, and how you, how you went into it, you know, writing them and stuff. Hell yeah. 
No problem, man. If you want me in on the show again, I'm all here, man. Anytime. Sounds good, man. Thank you very much, man. All Have right, a man. good night. You too, man. I'll see you around. All right. Peace, man. All right, my people. So that was chapter three, episode three of my Gente Can Write podcast. Um, next week, uh, I'm not sure yet who I'm going to have on, but whoever's available, you know, I know things, things are hectic right now. You know, everyone's, everyone's just, you know, trying to get everything situated with the whole situation right now. But, um, you know, just don't forget to write, you know, if you're a writer, if you have any inspiration for the writing craft for the, you know, for the love of writing and, 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 you know, creating stories, don't stop writing. Don't stop writing. That's uh, that's just a little note to self, you know what I mean, for myself. But, um, you know, just don't stop writing, my people. All right. Well, have a good night, gente, and I'll see you next week on Thursday, 8 o'clock, como siempre. All right. Buenas noches. Good night. You've been